Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. I am Elaine. And we have uh, what is becoming our, maybe our favorite? It's one of, one of, probably my favorite segment we do, just our review roundup. And we've, uh, you know, as we've done the last several episodes, we've combined, uh, you know, a couple new releases with a couple classics just to switch it up. And, and as always, we try to be pretty diverse on the genre spectrum. And I definitely think we have kept with that tradition on this um, yeah, this episode, we're, we're pretty in the rock territory. Yeah, um, but but I mean, there, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of leg room. Yeah, different it, different shades and views of yeah. uh, of rock for sure. Um, but yeah. on that note, I think we'll just jump right in. Yeah. Um, so I think Elaine, you picked your choice pretty pretty early on, right? Yeah. It, I, I was I was wondering of w- w- sort of what how you chose yours actually because to uh, you know I I'm gonna be very particular here and say that this technically came out in July yeah but, but we're still counting it um. so <laughs> yeah I had like you know the the album that Elaine picked you know you know knew we were gonna talk about it and I was excited to talk about it I was glad that you know that it was even it was something with interest to us both but I was having a hard time. I just I couldn't find something that I really like I really wanted to dive into the only thing like the new Imperial Triumphant but I wrote about that for the blog and and frankly I kind of I didn't have a lot of thoughts you know basically everything I had said ad nauseum about by a luxury I felt the same way except you know I thought it was better so I just felt like I didn't have a lot to say what about the three hour long new Matmos album Honestly, I was so excited when I saw there was a new new Matmos album, but then once I saw it was three hours, I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. It's kind of like, as much as I love Autekker, I haven't even attempted to listen to that. Oh, yeah, no, Like, that no. five-hour collection. Like, I think m- maybe if, if, if I was in, like, a situation where I had, like, five hours to spare, like, maybe, I, I, I could just... see that being a fun time, but I, I just cannot picture myself having a situation where i'd be doing nothing for five hours <laughs> and it's just such a dense like intense music yeah at least with ambient yeah it's it's like you know you can kind of phase out if you want to but with, with yeah. both flows it's like you're, you're kind of locked in yeah exactly um so i mean needless to say i i was just scrolling through facebook i was like i gotta pick something and this album popped up in my feed. I forget what page I follow shared it, but it is a new live album from Deerhoof called To Be Surrounded by Beautiful, Curious, Breathing, Laughing Flesh is Enough. So just let that sink in. Um, but I, I haven't really listened to Deerhoof. Actually, I don't think at all, but I know that they're relatively well regarded in the indie sphere. But mm. what caught my eye was the fact that half of the album features... Wadada Leo Smith, he's a you know really celebrated tr- trumpeteer in the underground, and just I've always wanted to check out Deerhoof. I know I know there's one album in particular that was is regarded as like an indie rock classic of the 2000s, and in general they're 
kind of an inventive, artsy, indie band, or at least that's what they're considered to be. And I mm-hmm. love without a Leo Smith since um, that collaboration he did with VJ Iyer, I thought was was oh, great. Oh yeah, well, a cosmic rhythm with every stroke. Yeah, with every step. I thought that was actually helped me get into both artists. Uh, you know, I enjoy, enjoy the, both their music now. So I figured, hey, I can't think of an album. I think this sounds really cool. It's it's pretty. We don't usually cover the, cover live albums, and I thought this would be an interesting diversion. Um, yeah. But before, uh, do you want to go first, or do you want do you want me to? Um, um, yeah, I I, I, I can uh, I can start this big pile if you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's go ahead. I just out of the gate, I really didn't like this. Yeah. Like, I really didn't enjoy this, um, and I have a couple reasons why. Yeah, um, I mean, just to be clear, I'm in the same boat. So just okay. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I wasn't sure where you'd be. I, I honestly, I kind of, but like, I don't want this to sound callous, but I I don't really give a shit if you if you like it or don't like it in a way. No, like, yeah, but 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 what you mean like is it. that like I I respect your opinion, but um, you know, your opinion is your opinion. Yeah, so. but, but you know, instead of being like, "Oh, I think this is bad," versus like, "I think this is a steaming pile of garbage." Like, if you knew, like, yeah. I loved an album, I feel well, like you might like, take I, I, it I, a little I, bit. I'm I'm not gonna say that this is garbage because it, I mean it, it isn't. Like you know, every musician in this is talented at what they're doing. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's one exception for me, but um, yeah. you know, I if it's I, the same person, but yeah, I, it probably is. But I my, my issues here are more to do with. Um, I guess that my biggest thing is just the marketing behind this thing because you know you look at the album cover, you look at the band name, you know, yes. and it's it, it oh. suggests a, a, str- a straight collaboration, uh, which for me when I hear a collaboration with someone like Wadada Leo Smith, I expect um, you know I, m- not necessarily improvisation but uh, some avant garde experimental tendencies, you know, and if it's in a live setting, perhaps something more veering into improvisation um whereas the reality of this album is that uh he's on less than half of it yeah uh which is really weird um then the second part is that you know his it it doesn't feel like he's really collaborating as much as he's kind of like accompanying Deerhoof. yeah exactly yeah on the tracks that that he's on to be fair I only listened to this once, and then I tried to put it on again today, and I I, I just couldn't even get past the second yeah, track. Actually, um, pretty much the same for me. Actually, yeah, it, it was, and really. So that being said, I I think the first track, Believe ESP, was uh, was a lot of fun, um, but it had some repetitive parts to it. But really, the the thing that killed this album for me more than anything else was uh, Satomi Musu. Uh, Masuzaki, who's uh, the vocalist and the bassist, um, mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll credit to her, but I just really did not like her vocals. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, uh, you, you're the same way. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly don't have um, much in the way of unique thoughts from what you just said. I will say, sometimes, don't judge a book by its cover. Goes in the opposite direction where like everything about like you said the way this is marketed i mean you look at the cover excuse me uh wadada is is on it yeah you know he's (laughs) he's drawn alongside the band um performing and then also it looks like 
a drawing of him and the lead singer, you know, posing. And then obviously his name is really prominent up front, you know, on, on the cover. And yeah. yeah, he's on half of the tracks. And it literally felt like, because this is, you know, live recording, he just kind of came out from the side of the stage, bleated for a little bit, and then just retreated again. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. And, you know, I thought the moments... In general, like, for my first foray into Deerhoof, I thought the music was really cool. I actually, I liked it. I thought it was fun. You know, not, not the best. Um, I, I, I wasn't too big on it. it. It was just, like, for me, it, it feels very in that indie blogosphere, in that, like... Yeah. It's it's like just far enough from traditional to be considered experimental. Yeah, exactly. But it's really not experimental in like you know the wider spectrum of things. Yeah, exactly. And I, I would be of. interested to hear this on record because I thought there was a lot of potential here. I, I did you know I enjoyed what I heard and I even I liked. I didn't think that it it worked. Like I I think that the trumpet parts were cool. I don't yeah. I don't think they were. I don't know if this is necessarily a shot at Wadada. Maybe it just that they didn't, they weren't able, or he wasn't able to go as crazy as he usually does, or he can go because of what their music was doing. But it it didn't sound like I I think if I didn't know this was Dada, I don't know if I would have really noticed that much. I, I think on I, he he's a very like I feel like you you know when he's playing. Yeah, but it it just felt like he was definitely not you know being used to his full extent like it really didn't yeah. feel like a collaboration exactly and i think i, I mean I, I this is more of a gut feeling so i hesitate to say it but now that i know you're on the same page it kind of felt like everything about this uh everyone involved thought it was deeper than it yeah. actually is oh yeah like, well i mean but, but so here's the thing like when you titled your album yeah, after a, you know a, a snippet of i sing the body electric like you you know that you, you you're gonna be like possibly disappointed <laughs> yeah exactly and, and i just it, it um i do think this would have been interesting to see uh live you know it would have been cool to see it in person i think it might have uh come off a little bit better and part of that is because um I don't think this was even really recorded all that well. Like, I don't think it was awful, but I thought that there was a lot of... You know, obviously it's a live album, and it, it's a, you know, kind of a, a more under... You know, kind of lower budget, more underground artists, and it was, you know, it wasn't at, like, a grand hall or yeah, anything. Yeah, but, but, but I, I, I know what you're talking about, though, that, that like, the, I think it was the second track, that there, there was just, like, a minute of just, like, them, like, starting and then stopping. Yeah, exactly. And just even even the, 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 the clarity was really like on pretty much everything. You know, I, I can't think of one thing that was like mixed or recorded, but like I feel like periodically the vocals would just be and obviously part of it's part of the performance, but you think if you were releasing this as a live album, you would try to as much as possible to make some, you know, continuity through it all. There was some parts where the vocals were much, much quieter, the you know, the music it was a little bit more muddled and yeah, I think what ultimately torpedo this for me is I, I really don't and again I've not really listened to a lot of Deerhoof but I did not like Satomi Matsuzuki Matsuzaki excuse me I didn't like her vocals I don't yeah. want to butcher her last name but I, I, I just Matsuzaki I, yes yeah. that's what I thought but yeah. I, I really just don't I don't know exactly how to pinpoint it it's just that well I, I, I think it's just like I, there's not a lot of variety yeah um you know it, it it just kind of feels like the same thing again um th this is a weird comparison but 
the her vocals really reminded me of um do you remember uh, well have you watched kill bill yeah okay do, do, do you remember the the club scene where they have that japanese rock band playing and they're doing that cover of woohoo Oh it, no! I actually I don't it, remember that. So was that yeah, the, the, the band's called the uh, the five six seven eights. They're actually they're an actual band, um, and it, it, I just re- like it just reminds me so much of that because it's just like it kind it, it kind of like whenever she sang it, it just kind of sounded like a Japanese cover <laughs> of a Deer Hoof song almost. Yeah, if that makes oh, any that's sense. Funny. Which it, and like I, I'm not ragging on Japanese covers. It's just that like. I don't know. It it just felt like kind of lifeless. Uh, it it's really funny because like you could probably make the same comparison for um, oh what's her face from um, Melt Banana, um, but the thing is like I I feel like her vocals like actually like you know sort of match the music in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this was just like I don't know. It just felt blander even than the guitars. And like everything else going on, so yeah, that, I think that that's probably the best summation. Is <laughs> yeah, it felt like um, she, she thought or like the band the way they they positioned her. I mean, because I'm not actually sure if these are original or if this was the live set. To be frank, uh, I think it's interesting that they were because this was recorded as at Jazz Fest, so it's interesting that yeah, of, I, I saw that too this morning when I was looking at the description. Like, wh- what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, like, because I think this might have been. I think I, I was now that I think about it, it sounds familiar that they they were you know that this happened, and I think it was even built as like them doing a collaborative set, and I think it's really weird that you know they're not even a jazz adjacent band, like they're not yeah. even a band that like has like jazz albums but aren't really a jazz band. Like I don't, I've never once seen them described, and again, this is kind of my first foray in their music, but. My gut reaction from this sampling is, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if her music just detracts like a, a ton, but I, I do think it, it's certainly not, it's not as zany as the band. I think, I think if she was a little bit more unhinged or a little bit more uh, distinct, it would be a little bit, I think it would have helped, but. In general, I will say to have some positives, you know, I did enjoy the short moments Wadada was there. I, I wish he had gone a little bit crazier. I wish he had a little bit more room to breathe. And in general, I, I would like to uh, I would like to check out their music now. I mean, I think some of the, the, the actual um, compositions I heard, I liked. I would be interested to hear them on record, see if there's some extra effects or extra, you know, elements that they bring into their music. But yeah, I was I was disappointed. You know, unfortunately, yeah. you know, I, I I thought that this is a perfect example of of maybe not false advertising because I mean that they they did collaborate with with him poor marketing this. yeah it was poor marketing and, and I guess more more misleading because I mean yeah. they there is what out of Leo Smith and Deerhoof on this album it's just it's not nearly to the you know degree that I certainly thought I you know, you I, know, it, I I kind of wish it was just like you know. Too bad they didn't take the set, split it in half, give half to Deerhoof to do Deerhoof songs with Wadada on them, and then the other half is kind of like Wadada, like Deerhoof doing Wadada songs. Yeah, now that like just been improvising. Really cool. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like just because it, it just it, this is just a Deerhoof album that Wadada Leo Smith kind of shows up on. 
Yeah, exactly. Let, like, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, the competitions he's on aren't even, um, like, it doesn't even feel like a true collaboration, like you said earlier. It just, it, it's just, he is playing on Deerhoof songs, and it's neat, but like, not, it's not, you know, it's just, it, it's not what you would expect when you when you think collaboration, you think like both artists are bringing roughly fifty fifty to the table. I'd say this yeah. is closer to seven seventy thirty. Oh, I, I wouldn't even say that. I, yeah, I would say, I would say at, 80, 20, 90, 10, maybe. Yeah, like, at, just on the, on the tracks, I mean, if you take the album as a whole, absolutely, it's, it's pretty, really, really skewed, because half the songs, he's not even there. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's screwy. Um, you know, it, but, but I, I don't think it's Badada's fault. You know, it, it, oh, it no, seemed all, like, no. yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I mean, I really, I don't really know enough about either artist to and or just the circumstances which they collaborated or quote unquote collaborated on this particular like live set. So it it's you know you, you can't really say oh you know Deerhoof was really like hamming up on stage and you know like like really acting like divas or whatever because like who the fuck knows. <laughs> yeah, and this is not to go too much on a tangent because obviously we have other albums to talk about, but this is a larger yeah. issue. Um, with you know, kind of well-known festivals where, like, for, for example, back in the day, Lollapalooza had a very distinct vibe to it, and you can go down the list of other other big, you know. Yeah. Shows. N- n- now that, it's, now it's just like whatever popular band there is. Yeah, and not that jazz fest is necessarily on that level, but I think this is you're seeing this in a lot more festivals where, like, the core ethos that the you know it was launched on is starting to is starting to peel away. In, in, in yeah. some cases, that's that's cool like you know obviously you you have some nice you know for I, example i think of roadburn like roadburn has definitely expanded from just a metal festival to you know quote unquote dark music like they had um lingua ignota and you know they've done some cool like noise sets some dark folk sets and you know chelsea wolf they've been able to expand out but at least it fits the same general theme whereas I mean, yeah it, it, it it doesn't really make sense to have them in a jazz fest, um, but I will say that like if you look at a current like if you go to like Newport Jazz and you like see their lineup for the last few years, it, it's still a little bizarre. Yeah. Um, but I I think a lot of that is because like as each year passes, you know the the boundaries between genres become even more like even less distinct than they were mm-hmm. previously and yeah. they were never really set in stone to begin with you know but like at, at least back in like you know oh let's say like like the 60s you know you could get you know like a Newport Jazz Fest with Miles Davis with Wayne Shorter with Herbie Hancock like you know you, you because you actually had all those fucking people there yeah exactly. like now now it's very different you know and they you know I like cultural expectations and uh, interests change over time, so like th- th- there really isn't as much of a um, po- like you know mainstream appeal for jazz. Um, not to say that there isn't any appeal for jazz because there certainly is. It's just it, it's not it's not like it was. It's it's not like it's the fifties again, and like all you can hear about is is just like you know jazz. Yeah, exactly, and I think you know in this circumstance. I mean, even 
uh, like some someone like Battles that might have made more sense because they're like in that mathy somewhat mm. like even then they're not really but at least when I'm thinking of like indie rock or like blogosphere bands that would you know kind of appeal to jazz mind of, even like Yagayazist or Jagged whatever how you pronounce it like they're kind of like more, more like yeah. a new jazz electronic whatever you know yeah anyway yeah I, I mean I, I'm still this did pique my interest in Deerhoof I, I want to hear what they sound like on record it's just I kind of yeah. wish that the album itself was you know was was good in its own right as well but it, unfortunately it really did this I mean I wasn't really interested in pursuing Deerhoof to begin with um in this kind of confirms that for yeah. me because <laughs> i i just like it's so hard to find indie music that isn't just completely bland <laughs> yeah and i i mean frank i i thought this would be perfect since you know Badada, and i thought it would be really cool but yeah, yeah it just it, i mean look on, on paper it looks fucking cool yeah like it but but oh my god did you look at some of the descriptions of or some of the quotes on Bandcamp of it uh, so I started so, reading a little bit, and it, uh, this is like even before I press play, my like my my hope for this album started to plummet. So I, I don't think I dove in much, be, much beyond because that. The, the, there was one fan who was like, "Oh yeah, this is basically like Captain Beefheart of like the two thousands or something Yikes. like that." And I'm like, I'm Oof. like, like like after that, I'm like, no, that that, that that's just like objectively not true. <laughs> no, that's that's not like, oof. okay. I, th- I think that's a good note to move on from. Cause that's... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh. Anyway, uh, hopefully this is, I mean, at least for me, you know, spoiler alert, more, more positive. Well, I guess it'd be difficult not to be more positive in our next um, album. Yeah. But we're talking about um, the new Video Age album, Pleasure Line. So I shouted these, well, actually, Elaine, actually you did, because yeah. you're, we had a freeform episode where you said how much you liked uh, Aerostar, the lead singer Aerostar, and this yeah. is a band that I, I I love telling my discovery story because I think it's it's such a you know six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing. Yeah. Um, John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats was on. I always forget the channel, but they had a segment called um, I think like Dad Dad Picks or Dad Reactions, where they had like older musicians from different genres listen to like a temporary songs and they had a single from the video ages last album uh pop therapy and it was it literally it was just a phenomenal like 80s throwback like dripping in nostalgia synth pop was just a, like really really gorgeous i loved the the synth melodies that they wrote and i just instantly was you know checked out the album immediately after instantly hooked and so i was super super excited um, for this new album, Pleasure Line, uh, especially because I, I loved all three of the lead singles, Aerostar, um, the title track, and then Shadow on the Wall was the first one that came out, and I loved that song. Um, yeah, Shadow on the Wall is really good. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it might be pretty obvious where I stand with this. I, I want to turn it over to you, Elaine, and hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, so I, I'm still not entirely sure what to think about it. Um, I'm positive. But uh, not as positive as I wanted to be, I guess. Like, I, I, I guess, I, I think it just happened, like, I didn't listen to any of the other singles except for Aerostar, mm-hmm. but, like, when uh, when it came out. Um, I, and I, I think this is just an example of why I try not to listen to singles. Like, for example, like, the new Deftones album just got announced the other day. And uh, I think there's a single attached to it, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm not bothering to listen to it. I wouldn't, yeah. 
<laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I feel like I could probably enjoy it. Um, it's, it's just, I, I like to, I think I just like to listen to the whole album. Sure. You know, I, I think it makes more sense. Um, I, I, I think it's probably worth discussing this in sort of the listens that I did because I did two listens. Um, I, I really fucked up this week. I just like barely listened to these. <laughs> like I, I actually forgot that, that we had album anniversaries until today. Um, if you can believe that, so. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's been a yeah. weird, weird week yeah. for me too. So yeah, so uh, just you know, completely out of it. So I I listened to it once earlier last week, and I was pretty disappointed by it. Like, um, I was trying to sort of adequately sum up my feelings of it, and the best thing I can say is that it it at this time it sounded like a sort of controversy era Prince doing covers of the smiths if oh, that's, that's a fun i like that that's a fun description. yeah um and it, you know I, but listening to it again today i actually enjoyed it a lot more um it's still not you know because i i think i was just hoping for like an album of like aerostar basically mm. um and it's it's not that but what it is is still really fun and I mean, like, like this is this is the feel good album of the year, and I I don't want that to sound cynical, because mm-hmm. I, I I genuinely like that is the feel good album of the year, um because it's you know it it, it kind of reminds me of like a, like a dark night type of situation you know it's 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 the album this world needs not it's, it's the <laughs> album this world deserves but not the one it needs right now kind of oh that's funny. um just <laughs> yeah it was just like like listen to it again just. Every track is just like positive, or like you know, it's it. Well, I they described it on their Bandcamp as a sort of glass half full mentality, and I, I feel like th- that's a good way of looking at it because like mm-hmm. not not everything is you know um, hyperactive. Like it's 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 a very chill like mellow album, mm-hmm. um, but it. It, it has this this positivity to it that I really like. Yeah. That it's just like it, it like it it, it kind of just feels like like on a like another synth pop band just like smoked a huge bowl. It was just like it's okay, man. Like it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just 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 chillax. Come smoke yeah. with us for a little bit. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll watch Tiny Tunes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally get that. <laughs> so like, like that part of it, I yeah, just I I want to listen to it a couple more times uh, because I I really enjoyed it just that second time, and I feel like with each listen, I feel like I'm gonna enjoy more. It's it's kind of like um, it's it's more of a, a grower than a shower, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, for me anyway, um, I, I I can see you just digging this thing from the start because you had already sort of had your um your experience with them yeah so it's it's interesting how um so pop therapy there i mean i definitely have being their last album i definitely have my favorites like you know the opening track is probably my favorite song they've they've written it's just it's such a phenomenal like it's it's super sweet and and poppy without being too saccharine but it's it's very nostalgic and and I, i love how they um they really like you said they're just a chill like they embrace the goofiness like on blushing 
like, you know, tell me, baby, is it all right if I love you till the end of time? Like, that's oh. such a corny lyric. But it, oh, it's, can, it's, it, can we just talk about the lyrics for a quick second? Because um, if you look on the lyrics for Aerostar, it is... It is so stupid, and I love it. Like I know exactly, and I love. The, I just, I just feel like they really embrace. Like they embrace the fact that they're like a silly, goofy. Like one of the lines is literally "fly like I know you are," and I'm like that makes no sense, <laughs> and not even in like a surrealist, like Dadaist kind of way. It's it's just pure, just like nonsense and i love it <laughs> yeah exactly and i think you, you put it really well that it, basically it's like synth pop for stoners i mean it's just a really it's like really laid back um i don't know that's not exactly how you worded it but like to me that, yeah. that's a really that's a great it, way to uh it, it has a mellow vibe to it yeah it's it's not like it's um it's not dark and depressed like depeche mode and it's not trying to get you up and dancing like i don't know like duran duran or something you know, it's it's yeah. it's just it's just super chill, bro. <laughs> exactly. So I, I will say both pop therapy and pleasure line they both hit um, that like sweet you know laid back you know synth synth heavy vibe that I love. So I really really enjoy both albums. What's interesting is I feel like pop therapy, um, it maintains a very similar vibe throughout. Like obviously each song is distinct. Like I was saying. There are, you know, some songs I, I enjoy more than others, and but I, I like all the songs, and I think that they do a good job of keeping a very, very similar vibe, but, you know, having some very variety. I feel like Pleasure Line, there's a lot more variety throughout. Like, you know, like, the kind of like you mentioned, you know, really no other song sounds like Aerostar, you know, The Shadow and the Wall. The Wall is very distinct, and... A lot of the other songs have a little bit more. They vary from each other much more than pop therapy. And it, I, I will say, it, it took me like I, I think I only realized that variance like on the second listen, like the first time around, it really came off to me like I was listening to the same track over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, go on. Yeah. So uh, I think you know, the good thing is that I think there's a little bit more. Um, a little bit more. I don't. I was gonna say feng shui, but I don't think that's the right, you know, idiom I, or like the right cliche I want to use. But there's just a little bit better flow, a little bit more dynamic to it. On the downside, I think there are some songs on Pleasure Line that I, maybe not like I dislike, but I, I really. I don't think there's a single song on Pop Therapy that I don't like. But they're like maybe just once. I think is is pretty boring, and unfortunately comes as the second song. Uh, mm -hmm. Like obviously, not not every slow song is boring, but this one in particular, I just did not really vibe with the, the grooves and the melodies. I'll also say that you know, Comic Relief wasn't as memorable, even though I liked it. And then the last three songs, uh, I think, good to be back. I, I like a lot. The last three songs aren't as memorable as the songs that come before. But overall, yeah, this is just a really carefree summary, um, and I, I like that they kind of took themselves into the forefront a little bit more than. Pop therapy has a very overarching haze to it. It's super, super laid back. I like that Aerostar is a bit more direct. Certainly Shadow on the Wall is a bit more direct. They kind of come out from the, the the synth pop haze a little bit and, and you know take it into the forefront. And I'm not sure how this works in specific, excuse me, specifically with the dynamics, but now they're pictured as a four-piece, whereas on their, like, their first couple albums they were only a duo. I know that there's two dudes that write everything, but I wonder yeah. if just having multiple different personalities in the room actually performing and recording 
if that changed anything because I did feel like this felt more like a full band effort this felt more like a um, not just like a be bedroom synth prop project there's nothing inherently wrong with that but just it's a little bit of a different vibe um, yeah but overall just really really positive on um, yeah. this album I really I like the, the the relative risk they took I mean again this is a very safe laid-back genre and they do it really really well but I, I mean there are just a lot of great summary jams here to, to to kind of kick out the last few yep. few weeks of of the heat so yeah and it, I'm, I'm, it, I'm glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you gave it um another listen and in general i, I was just i was glad you liked any of this because I, I i thought there was a decent chance that even with aerostar that you would you would really really just not you know it wouldn't I, be you your know, the, thing the, so. the first time i listened to it i was like yeah <laughs> but like i kept giving it a try and giving it a try and i just ended up like falling in love with it so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I so I I just realized this too that um, what what's the name of the last track again? I keep forgetting about it. Um, oh god damn it! Oh, it's it's good to be back. It, it's good to be back. Thank you. Um, I don't know why I keep forgetting that, but it reminded me a lot of uh, fertilizer off of Channel Orange. Be, because oh it just, yeah, it really it, does. Because it's kind of like a half song, but it has like just a really good vibe to it. Yeah. And it's and it's like it's like that vibe that keeps it like worth listening to. I don't know. Yeah, no, and, and I, I kind of I liked how they. I mean, keeping with the vibe, I like that they broke the fourth wall a little bit um, by, you know, it's good to be back, and they they were talking kind of like about how, um, like Lauren and I really love the first two Panic of the Disco albums, and like the first song on their second release is you know is all about. You know, sorry we've been away for so long, but like we were busy writing songs for you. I don't know, like it may, it fits the theatric pop vibe, and I really like that. So, yeah, it's funny thinking of you liking Panic at the Disco. Well, I I went through a period where I didn't like them at all, but Lauren, you know, Lauren's a big fan, and I mean, I loved them in, in high school. They, I think their first two albums are great. I didn't appreciate because they took a really hard. They came out basically as like an emo, like an emo band that loved Queen was their first album. And then they took a hard turn towards like Beatles, like kind of like poppy folk, and it was okay. just like, uh, what? And now they've essentially just become like the lead singer is on his own, but he still uses the Panic name, and he's just like a pop artist. So, yeah, I mean, I I, huh. I like fun theatrical pop music, and this, um, maybe not, th maybe this doesn't really fit the theatrical vibe, but like it's just it's fun. You can put you, it's very low effort. Like you put yeah. it on and it's 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 it does all the work for you. Yeah, it was yeah, just very enjoyable. Um, I guess we should move on to our next. Yeah, absolutely, and we are now officially in our um, album anniversaries, and the first one is a band and album that I have not even thought about for a while. I was really glad that you you brought them up because I was I was getting speaking of nostalgia, I was getting waves of nostalgia while I was listening to this, and it is the third full-length from Rancid, uh, and Out Come the Wolves, it yeah. is turning... 25. 25, that's bad, Here, yeah. Funny thing is that this thing came out literally the day after my sister was born. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, kind of funny just to think about, um, but, so wait, so you, you've listened to this before? Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was a huge fan of 
I had a big ska phase in <laughs> middle school and high school. Ska. We've, t- we've talked about before. It's funny. Do you, uh, Elaine, do you want to talk about the, the uh, Tony Hawk meme you saw? Oh, my God. I, I, I'm going to have to pull that up now because I, I do love that. Uh, I, I Speaking of that, I actually pre-ordered it uh, yesterday. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really psyched. Um, but, yeah, but while it, Elaine pulls that up. It, it was, uh, this is, uh, I, oh, it, it just comments from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, remake thing on uh, Destructo. They're just, can't wait for this to rejuvenate Ska back into the mainstream. And then this person just replies, says, oh, please, no, I can't prove it, but I'm fairly certain the 90s rise of Ska not only led to the, ni- led to the events of 9-11, but also was partially responsible for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that so much. Oh man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a. It, it's, it's definitely a, a, one of those love it or hate it genres. I happen to like. I, I had some good friends in high school that were in a ska band, so you know, kind of was just. It was the, the thing. You know, it was just everyone. Um, it was the cool thing amongst. It was the the uncool cool genre yeah. amongst my group of friends. Um, but, to, to, to be fair, I'm I'm not anti ska. Um, I'm not necessarily pro ska. It's it's like I I like the sound. I've just never been able to find like a straight through ska album that's like you know been able to keep my attention. Yeah, I had an um, interesting journey where I mean ska like regained popular popularity with like you know the the Boston's, Real Big Fish, like bands like that. Kind of the more yeah. like pop punk with horns. Like it kind of. It's straight away from what ska, not to like put on my hipster glasses, but like <laughs> ska, like the, the ska I really liked was because my friend's band did a cover of uh, Little Bitch by The Specials, which is a really, really like one of, one of the best ska songs ever written. But you had bands like The Specials, Madness, uh, English Beat, and um, they were all, I think, yeah, I think they were all from England. Yeah. And it was the first, basically they took the kind of the, the dub reggae culture in um in, in jamaica yeah but it, you know they had a culture in england and they took it and fused it with punk you know a lot of the like muted upstrokes that like like yeah you you know when you hear it um and when it came over to america definitely you know they upped the punk and eventually upped the pop punk and one of the biggest bands in that movement was operation ivy who i i fell in love with um they eventually they're one of those bands that they just had a bunch of stray releases and they collected as one big compilation i bought it on itunes it was pretty cheap and i just i fell in love with uh like freeze up is an amazing song and they just were like they i don't know i i loved like kind of the 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 dancey vibe of you know the way that the riffs went and all that stuff but it was still punk it was still aggressive so after operation ivy burned out uh a number of them i think it was more than a uh, tim armstrong vocalist guitarist he was the guitarist for operation ivy and then just checking now I think at least the the basis one of the members of Rancid also came from Operation Ivy, and they took a much more of a, you know, punk rock like skate punk, but still kept a lot of those ska vibes. There are a number of tracks on this album in particular that definitely they still have the you know the the upstrokes on the guitar, and they definitely have some some of the vibes. Like a lot of this gave me it's pretty huge specials vibes, but yeah, this was uh, I don't think I ever owned this entire album, but definitely back when I still bought singles. All of the singles in this, I had I had Roots Radicals, Time Bomb, Ruby Soho, Maxwell Murder, 
Like, there are just so many great songs on this that were, you know, so so ingrained. Like, I, I remember I used to sit down and actually just, like, watch skate videos, which now, like, seems so boring, and I can't Do- imagine doing that. Skate videos are fun, dude. <laughs> yeah, but, like, to watch, like, an hour-long video of people doing essentially oh. the same tricks. Like, I used to, like, yeah. just sit down and watch skate. That's how much I, you know, I was super into it. Um, I, see, see, I I just like seeing like. Have you ever seen that video of uh, of Ryan Sheckler doing like a full backflip on his skateboard? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I fucking love watching that. I mean, there are a few like, like I could watch Roddy Mullen all day because like he. Oh yeah, Roddy Mullen is is like just he's one of the chillest level. dudes. Yeah, he's a chill dude, but he's just he's another because he like actually is really well versed in like physics, and that's why like his tricks are super technical yeah. and weird. He's so. he's one of the most amazing people, I in my opinion. Like he is like a hero of mine, honestly. No, not, he's, not, he... not, not to get too off track with this, but I, I look up to Rodney Mellon a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I just real quick before I turn it over to to you, like he yeah. gave a I think it was a TED talk. Oh yeah, I, about... I I watched that too. Yeah, and he he said like one one of the coolest. Uh, like one of the coolest things is the fact that like he was speaking at whatever university he was doing the TED talk at. He previously yeah. had the cops call them, you know, for skating I, at the university. I think it was UC Berkeley. Yeah, possibly? I, th- I think I'm, 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 that sounds right. But it just it was so. I mean, that's a pretty cool moment. You know, like the fact yeah. that he went from like, you know, a teenager, you know, almost getting arrested for skating there to like being invited to speak. Um, but yeah, there's he's, a, there, there's a great quote from that that he, he says something along the lines of like. There is inherent value in doing things for their own sake, and I, I just love that. Like yeah, that, exactly. that that's something that means a lot to me. Um, but we, we're talking about Rancid. Uh, yeah. And the, the, so to, to be fair, it's a, like Rancid's pretty skate punk. Um, I, like you know, listening to this, I, I was picturing myself playing Tony Hawk basically to this thing because it, yeah. it, it it just has that sound. Um, exactly. Well, I actually have a really good discovery story with this. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so I was at Bulma's with my sister, and um, you know my sister. She's not a big fan of going to Bulma's, yeah. let alone just, you know, standing around yeah, for, Lauren you know, an hour. Yeah, the same way. Yeah, exactly. Like, while I just peruse and, like, beat myself up for not making the right choices <laughs> of purchases. <laughs> and... Uh, while we were kind of waiting around, uh, this this came on, and we were both really digging it, which is really funny because we we are pretty much polar opposites when it comes to music. Like there are a few touchstones, like you know, kind of like classic rock, like Billy Joel, Beatles, that type of thing, and then like Muse. Actually, as strange as that is, uh, we, we we both want to see Muse together at some point when they start mm-hmm. touring again. Um, but we were both digging this and. I, I was like, okay, so let's... So I ended up just buying it on the spot. I'd never heard it before. And I just fucking loved it from the minute, like, I turned it on. Like, every fucking track in this is a great. And, like, you know, listening to it again today, like, I... It, it's funny how much of it I remember. Even though I, I feel like I haven't listened to it that much. Like, it's just so catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and just, like... Like, you, you think, oh, what's this song? And then, like, by the chorus, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm singing along with it. it it's so it's so great. Like, Ruby Soho is is probably my favorite track off of this thing. Um, 
the, the there are a lot of really good tracks. I mean, you know, Maxwell Murder, Roots Radicals, Olympia Washington, Ruby Soho, Journey to the End of East Bay, Old Friend, Disorder and Disarray, The War's End. I mean, it's just like the the way I feel. Uh, you know, it, it's so good. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it, it was. It's funny how I I haven't listened to this album or these songs for. I, I honestly couldn't even put a number on it. But as soon as just a time bomb, like just immediately, <laughs> I was bopping like it just. Destiny to Whitehead, White Shoes, Cadillac, yeah. It's just, it's so, they're just such great. And it's it's interesting how they, um, they're one of the rare, you can kind of put them in the pop punk sphere only because they, they emphasize the hooks. But yeah. what I love is that they're still very much up, like, you know, Blink-182 is squarely a pop punk band. But what I love so much about a band like Rancid is they were able to remain like a punk first band. Like yeah. you would never, never say like you know, never write them off as like oh they're too poppy. They just wrote really great hooks within yeah, great they, punk songs. They still have like that snotty punk attitude. Yeah, exactly. All the way through it, and it, it's super cool just to hear that. Exactly. Uh, it, I, actually, so to to keep talking about smoking weed, um, because <laughs> th- that was actually my first thought was was related to this album, not necessarily Pleasure Line. Um, it was that like the best way to describe rancid is like it's it's like street punks like uh like the casualties if if they decided to just kind of you know chill for the day and you know smoke a smoke a little bowl yeah like because like it, it has that aggression to it but it's like been like streamlined kind of and it it just it, it it's just fun like at the end of the day like it's just a fun album to have on it is one of the best albums to drive to in the summer, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it just screams like, you know, tasty waves, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's a really fun. I like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I I will say, but pretty much my my only complaint with this album is that I I, I think it runs a little too long or at least yeah for me like it, it always feels like it's longer than it actually is mm-hmm. um but the funny thing is like i love every track on this thing so it's so it's not like i i would really want to cut anything yeah it just it like it, it just kind of fucks with with your concept of time a little bit um because like i mean there are i think there are 17 tracks on this thing which is like pretty lengthy um I, I don't have the exact track like um, that runtime. Let's let me, it's and, actually nineteen, and if you do the uh, if you do the bonus like the remaster in twenty fifteen, there's twenty one tracks. Yeah, um, I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because that was something I and it, it's only fifty minutes and there's plenty of fifty minute albums I love that don't feel long, but I think yeah, I, I've 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 started to have like even though you know no track I don't think there's a single track. Even that far above three minutes, yeah. I think the, just sk- skimming through the longest track is three and a half minutes. But I think it's just because you're you're being introduced to a new idea every you know every track. So like yeah, for me, mm-hmm. if you have like you know five relatively long songs on, like for example, the latest, uh, um, the latest Primitive Man album, I think is maybe it's a little bit short. It's it's in the same ballpark as this track length. Or this, you know, album length, I think, but yeah. it's several shorter songs, or excuse me, it's several longer songs, or 
wow, it's a few longer songs versus 19 shorter songs. So it just feels like like you're listening to like five or six ideas versus 19 different ideas. Yeah. And I know that like, that doesn't actually like make sense in terms of the numbers, but just mentally, that's why I actually, I used to love Grindcore and I don't listen to it as much anymore because those albums just feel so much longer to me because like, you have yeah. like 20 plus tracks and it's like, here's an idea. Here's another, and it's just, it just feels longer because you're like, okay, here's a new song. Like, here's something I have to wrap my head around. Um, and also, I've just, it's funny, when I was a kid, I used to, any track that was over four or five minutes, I thought was too long. And now, <laughs> like, I regularly listen to songs that are, you know, approaching or surpassing the 10 minute mark. So, like, songs that are super short, I'm like, man, where's the rest of the song? Like, where, yeah. you, like, where was this, where was this going? And why isn't it, why isn't it still going there? So. God, I, I just want to sing along to this album. Just hang yeah. on, on the corner of 52nd and Broadway. And exactly. Cars passing by. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's, that's one of the... Uh, we've actually talked about this a lot with over the last several weeks. It's one of those albums where you feel like it's too long, but there's really no song that you'd want to cut. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, like, there's some albums where, like, yeah, they absolutely should have cut, like, you know, song, you know, ABC... Um, but this one, like all the songs are great. It's just that there are just a, a lot, <laughs> just a lot of them. Mm. So, yeah, but it's I, still great. Yeah. That being said, I really don't have much to say. I I think it's an awesome, awesome album. You know, I I I feel like, you know, depending on how you look at it, depending on how you view ska and punk in general, it 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 can kind of be, it, it, you know, kind of have aged poorly. I personally don't think so because like I mean I, I could listen to this any day but like you know put on like the Tony Hawk soundtrack like I could probably stand that only so much I think to, to like even though I love those soundtracks like I like like I'm thinking of like Superman that song Superman uh, like I, I could only listen to that so many times without being sick of it yeah um, yeah for sure <laughs> now that I say that though, I really want to listen to that track <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, so yeah. Now, as is the tradition with these segments, you know, now we're selling clearly different. Yes, uh, we are now <laughs> going to move to the eighth. Yes, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page. The eighth yeah. album from Opeth, Ghost Reveries. Uh, this was, uh, I think, I bought this at Blackwater Park at the at the same time. Um, this is when I discovered that you could buy buy things online and then people would give them to you and like this is like late high school i think i think what late a high world school. i know i was just like because i've like i used to have to wait until like we would go to you know newbury comics or you know i would just we would just happen to be at the mall and i would go to like fye or whatever but like i just i remember i, I had um uh the i think it was relatively new it was decibel magazine's top albums of the 2010s and they put blackwater park third i think a third and it's just the way that they described them like this sounds fantastic and it was one of the first and only like at that point i was still very much a core kid and it was one of the first like i don't say legit metal albums because that sounds really condescending but it it really it was one of the first like non-core metal albums that i heard and didn't like it like i didn't get bored right off the bat like i listened to it and right off the bat i knew this is blackwater park i knew that like this was a phenomenal band and i just wanted to so i ended up going back to amazon buying ghost reveries and really the the, the same exact feeling except I, I feel like this stretches a bit more into the prog end of the spectrum and i, I think i mean mm-hmm. everyone has their own 
uh, Pecking Order, but I feel like for most people this is in the top three Opeth albums with Still Life and Blackwater Park. At least top like top five. Yeah, so there, there are some people who like you know some of the earlier ones like My Arms Your Hearse. Yeah, is uh, is usually up there. But I, I've never been like an early Opeth fan. Um, I really want to give their early stuff a try again at some point. Yeah, I I think that they're. Um, I know we both have kind of a story past like you know cleaner production yeah. styles when it comes to metal, but I think that their style actually works with the like obviously the, the, their production isn't like squeaky clean, but it works when there's a, like more clarity and a little bit more lush production. And I think that the yeah. the rawness of their earlier stuff is a little it doesn't really help all the progressive elements flourish. And like I said, I think yeah. that's what makes. Uh, ironically, is the first album that wasn't produced by Stephen Wilson. Yeah, um, and it in some ways sounds like the most fleshed out, um, like proggy album. Especially, um, I know that they, they've used organ before, but just the way that organ is used on this album is just so—it's just always well placed. It, it just feels like it belongs um, every time it, it comes on, and it just—it just—it. Yeah. So, it just, it, 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 again, they use it on other albums for sure, you know, before and after, but it just pops so much on on Ghost Reveries. Well, part of this, I, I think they hired uh, uh, like a keyboard player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like down, I, I see that that that's the case. Uh, yeah, uh, Peter uh, Peter Weiberg or Per Weiberg. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it, it, it's tough with Swedish band with Swedish surnames. So. I, I feel like the subtitle of this podcast is just pronouncing people's names incorrectly and feeling feeling badly <laughs> about it. Just um, <laughs> realize that we aren't the only ones who mispronounce things. I know, but just so. like this, almost every episode we pronounce someone's name and then immediately say, "I'm really sorry." Yeah, but, but, but we're also like pulling it. It's not like we're mispronouncing like some like you know I don't know like American dude's name. <laughs> like yeah. you know, we're, 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 we're pulling from a couple of different cultures here. Yeah, uh, and you know, we're 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 stupid white people. You know, exactly. Uh, so you know, give us a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I love Ghost Reveries. I mean, I, I've said this to you before that it's it's probably my favorite Opeth album. Um, I mean, I it took me a while to get into Opeth. To be fair, like I remember. We were. I remember when you got into Blackwater Park, and I just didn't see it, frankly. Um, but I ended up. I, I I ended up really getting to them into them with uh, Still Life, mm-hmm. uh, which is the album that comes before Blackwater Park. Um, and I really enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, the the specifically the track The More is really good. Um, just has like a lot of really winding passages that really make it like just an interesting listen um mm-hmm. but yeah ghost reveries is still is probably my favorite out of them and i it's tough to describe why um I, the best way i can put it is that like the aesthetic of the album is probably my favorite out of all opath albums just, just in part of it has to do with that organ but also you know you look at the album cover of it and it has this like this esoteric occult type of feel to it yeah. Um, you know, and you, I, I, I would argue that you could feel that with a couple of previous Opeth albums as well, but nothing quite comes close to Ghost Reveries in terms of like having that, you know, mystical side to it. Um, you know, and then when you have a track like The Grand Conjuration, it, it just like it, it all comes like full force in a way for me. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, the Grand Conjuration is just such a cool song for me. Even though like it's it's definitely not a perfect song. It's a little repetitive, uh, which is probably not good for like a you know ten minute plus song. But um, I really love how just how atmospheric that that song is. How they're able to take like this one riff and basically expand on it for an entire song. Yeah. Uh, and just the entire thing, just like the name, the sound of it just you know gives off this vibe of of just like these like you know like magicians summoning something dark you know and for me that that that's like i I love that type of like aesthetic like i I love that shit so uh i i just think it's like one of the coolest aesthetics out there so yeah absolutely it's it's a This is, I mean, this is somewhat related, but also a little bit of a tangent. You know what I thought? Like, the one thought that just could didn't leave my mind throughout this entire thing? What? Why, why don't they make music like this anymore? Like, <laughs> oh, and, 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 yeah. yeah, and it's just... What? Did you, you want to have this conversation again, Scott? <laughs> no, I, I do, because it just... And I know we had a full episode, like, we had a full Opeth exploration episode, and just everything you said, like, the amount of... And again, like, I love death metal, I love prog rock and prog metal, and I love the way that, you know, Opeth fused those. But I just... Everything, like, like you said... What the, the fuck the happened? Con- what? Yeah. Like what? What the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, like from like the, just the concept and the care, even like just everything down to the aesthetics you were describing and the vibe, and obviously the music itself, and and the fact that Akerfell is just such an amazing. He has such an amazing death growl. It, it might be my favorite death growl, like period. I just think it's. Yeah. It, it, I think part of it is probably that like how well it contrasts with his singing. Just like his singing is so beautiful, and then you just have this really vicious biting death growl, but. I just don't. I don't understand why you would not want to make music like. And again, you know, everyone has their own creative process, whatever, blah blah blah. But like, this is just so. To me, it's so invigorating, and I just I don't feel that at all. With, um, I, I think I remember we came away, at least I came away a bit more positive than I thought I would from the newer albums. I still didn't really like them, but I I definitely they weren't as bad as I thought they would. But just listening to those and then revisiting ghost reveries i was like this is just like why like why wouldn't you want to do this you're so good at this i I think it's maybe it's good to look uh sort of to use another band as comparison um in a way mastodon is the one that comes Mm. to my mind yeah and i think it's just like this is like so so ghost Reveries is their eighth album so after this is watershed which is their ninth and the last one that they had with like death growls and like really in like a prog metal type of format and like so so think about that you you've done nine albums just full of like the same like sort of blend of progressive metal and death metal and i i I just feel like it's like that you know each album cycle is like you know two years maybe a little more so two times nine it's 18 years Mm mm-hmm like so, so you've you've basically spent two decades almost, you know, doing this sound over and over again, playing it night after night on tour, working for months in a studio to try to get, you know, uh, th- this right. And like you might really like it still, but you know, it's it's gonna wear you down at some point. I, I at least I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, and I I'm not gonna say that this is 
like I, I, I don't speak for Mikhail Ackerfeld. I, I just like I'm, I'm trying to put myself my, myself in his shoes a little bit to try to see why. And like I, I feel like that, that that has to be at least partially a reason. Because I mean, li- like you know, look look at what Ma- Macedon pretty much did like the same thing. You know, they they made like five amazing albums, and like they did that that compilation of early stuff, mm-hmm. and then they just came out with the Hunter. <laughs> it, it it just seems like completely against all logic because you've basically like before that both bands had like the metal world by the balls basically. Yeah. It, and it's just like, I I don't know I think I think some people just want to change a little bit uh, like you know if, if you were required to like write the same story over and over and over again well, like I feel like that would get kind of draining but at the same time like there are nuances throughout all of those albums Macedon or Opeth oh know? absolutely like, yeah I know you're you're a big fan of Watershed as, as am I and I feel like that was a perfect example of them you know evolving while still keeping there i mean you know the way that coil runs into air apparent like that's oh my god that, 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 that's so good that's arguably the best like duo in their discography like that's just and coil again is it, probably my, i think coil is my favorite opeth song it's it's, it's phenomenal it's, it's not even a song that that's the weird thing yeah but like i feel like just throughout that album it shows them varying their style but still keeping what they and again, again you know no no artist owes any fan anything but i mean yeah. there, there's a reason that i own i think pretty much every you know earlier opeth album and i i really have no interest in even listening to um the newer stuff because i just feel like it's it's just such a it's a hodgepodge of ideas from you know what they grew up and of, of course you have akervelt saying like well what do you mean like when i grew up this is what heavy metal sounded like and it's like, oh, okay, Dad. Like, geez. <laughs> like, I just, that, when I read that comment, I was like, okay, so this is this is not this is this is what's happening now. Great. Cool, but I, I feel like Mikhail Ackerfeld would be a fun dad. No, for sure. Yeah, it, just, it was funny when because like, I mean, like, think about like what what other dad would be like, son. Now I want you to listen to Camel, and then I want you to listen to Decapitated. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. be like, thank you, Dad. <laughs> That's really funny. I yeah, I just I feel like they, that, like that answer was like, you know what we mean, and you're oh you're yeah, just, you're just being a like you know what we mean like, like aren't we still a metal band? It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> you, you used to do death growls and like death metal riffs. What do you what do you mean? Oh like, yeah, he, dude, dude, he was part of Bloodbath. I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's like and of course he's he's just being you know. He's just trying, trying to be he's, coy. He's it, taking it was, the smallest bit of piss. Yeah, it was like when, when I think it was Brett Hines did that whole interview where he said that he yeah. actually hates metal. I, 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 I was going to bring that up, but you brought yeah. it up for me. <laughs> and then he was, I, I, I think afterward he was like, ah, oh, I was just kidding. But it was just, it was so funny, like in the interview, he was like, yeah, like I actually like fucking hate metal. And I was like, no, you don't, shut up. Like you you met at the High and Fire concert. Like you don't, if you hate metal, it's a kind of a weird way to... <laughs> Like, it's funny you talk about this because I, I have Blessed Black Wings on in my car and I was thinking about that exact thing today of, yeah. of them meeting at a High on Fire show and just, I always think about like is it, like sometimes I think about like band math like music math how like, I and just in my mind for some reason, Neurosis plus High on Fire equals Mastodon to me. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> No, I, I I feel that that is actually really and, and, uh, and then uh, and then Led Zeppelin divided by infinity equals Greta Van Fleet. Oh jeez, <laughs> I totally. Uh, 
I, I, I frequently forget about them, and I think that's a good thing. Actually, recently, <laughs> recently, uh, some some Zeppelin came. On. I forget where we were, but like a number of Zeppelin songs came on, and I was like, I forgot how much I loved. Like they're really yeah. fucking good. Like obviously, like you know, hot take. Led Zeppelin's good, but I was like, man, like, yeah. I totally forgot that they're like they're such a good rock band. Yeah, because um, like there are uh, some it, of those like classic dad rock bands that you're like, ooh, like I don't, I don't need to listen to that again. That's okay, but they are certainly okay. not one of them. L- l- let's um. I, I guess let's wrap things up with Ghost Reveries. Um, I, I don't really have much to say. I, I think it's really cool that uh, this thing is still, you know, really great after 15 years. Um, I'm glad it's so well-liked. You know, it, again, it's, it's, it's always a shame that, you know, this isn't the direction Opeth has been going in for the last decade. But, um, you know, it's not like we have to listen to it. And, yeah. and maybe we also have a great album like this. Exactly, and I think so. there, you know, the silver lining for sure is um, uh, there are. I was trying to do like a mental count in my head, but like there are w- far more albums in the style that we love of Opeth that are fantastic. I mean, just the three I mentioned: Still Life, Ghost Reveries, Blackwater Park. Even if they just called the quits after that, that would be such an exceptional three album run. Oh yeah, and obviously yeah. there are other great albums surrounding those three. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is they've, there are other bands that had quite a bit of promise and then totally fell off after only like an album or two. So having that great back catalog, and again, it's not that the new albums are terrible, it's just that by comparison, it's, it's, it's hard not to be disappointed. But thankfully, yeah. we do have albums like Ghost Reveries, which are, are, are really, really phenomenal. <clears throat> and I think it's a, I mean, it's really, They've, they really do a great job in their career, or they have done a great job in their career of, of varying a set formula. So I think Ghost Reveries would be a good place for people to start with Opeth, as would Blackwater Park, Still Life. I mean, I think really any number of their... I, any, any, any one of those three albums would be a great place for a newcomer to start. I would probably go Still Life or Blackwater Park, uh, because yeah. I, I, I think Ghost Reveries can be a little obtuse at times. Yeah, um, like I, I love it, but it doesn't. I, I, I feel like it needs like, I, I don't know. It, it, it just seems to me like it, it'd be like listening to like, Rain Dogs, you know, before you know, listening to like, you know, uh, like an like an old Tom Waits album. Uh, it, it just like I, I feel like you almost need that introduction in a way. But I, I say that, and and Rain Dogs was my first Tom Waits album, but. <laughs> So, yeah. Huh. Anyway, so um, do you want to talk about albums of the week? Yes. All right. I do. And Would actually, you... you know what? This week, I want you to go to first of the lane. Oh well, I have I've got a uh, a really good one for you. Okay. Uh, I did not expect. So, like, I I basically uh, I I finished up listening to all that all the stuff I'd uh you know taken from my shelf. And I wanted to go through my to listen list because it, you know, it, it ends up, you know, getting pretty big after a time, and just kind of spending the last week just shortening it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, this record was the last one I had to listen to on my to listen list, and uh, I did not expect to listen to all of it, and yet I did, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And it is uh, Eons by Neptunian Maximalism. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it, it is over two hours long. <laughs> it's it's technically a triple album, um, uh, but it is 
some of the most forward-thinking avant-garde metal uh, I've heard in a very long time. Okay. Uh, the the album cover is super cool. Uh, it's just I the I think I have it right here. Um, Kaneko Tamiyuki. Um, he's a Japanese artist, and you know he a lot of his stuff I think is is inspired by like Japanese folklore and like the yokai and such. And so th- this reminds me a lot of um, the Buddhist deities, the the raffle deities from um, uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Mm-hmm. A little bit if you ever look up those pictures. But um, all of that to say, uh, this is just. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this right. A, a lot of people have, have basically said, like, hey, put, like, Sun, uh, Coltrane, and Swans together, and you've got these guys. Wow. Kind of. Um, and it, it, I, I would say that's pretty apt. I, I don't know about the Coltrane reference. I, I think maybe, like, Pharaoh Sanders would be okay. a better equivalent. Like, it, it, it has a lot of... Um, like you know, ethnic music, type like indigenous music type of qualities to it, um, though it's not necessarily that. Uh, a lot of like I, I think there's um, yeah, uh, there's baritone guitar, but there's uh, baritone saxophone on it, a lot of it. And but but I, I think what makes this thing so cool is that y- you would think that given that given that sort of sound, it would get old really quickly, but. They, they have a way of writing these tracks that are really, really interesting. Um, like, I... Because I, I, I actually... When I tried to listen to it a few weeks ago, um, I had the first track on, and, like, I only listened to, like, a, maybe 30 seconds of it, and I was, like, extremely impressed by, like, even the first 30 seconds of this thing. Uh, which is really weird for a two-hour-long album. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued because uh, honestly, everything about it sounded awesome, but it just, it, it sounded really daunting and it's definitely a style that it, it's, I mean, I, I, I think, so you would think it's daunting, but it's funny how fast it sped by for me. I mean, part of it is because I was reading at the same time, but I, you know, I was really enjoying it. it it's, I think it's just a really enjoyable album. Like, I think it has that that swans type of mentality where like you know you're able to stretch out these tracks into like really long long riffs uh but still keep it interesting yeah i'm i am bookmarking this for tomorrow because that yeah you know i definitely listen to it actually Uh, ever i think i knew one one other person in my sphere was interested in it but had the same concerns about, about how long it was and he said that it, yeah, like it just—it was difficult to get through a full listen, so I kind of put it on the back shelf. But I'm—I obviously really trust and care about your opinion, and I well, thank you. Want to give it a shot? Yeah, it, that just I, the, the description you offered sounds just incredible. So yeah, I, and I, I would also say that uh, the CD version seems a little more palatable in a way because um, it's divided into three discs. And if you look on the Bandcamp. Uh, page for this uh they you can actually see it that it's divided into three sections to the earth to the moon to the sun um and i feel like if, if you wanted to do that you could probably listen to each of those sections and then sort of take a break in between if you wanted to but mm. also um just one last thing apparently this is a concept album about uh like sort of like the next uh era 
of of Earth's history. I, I forgot what they call it. Um, where is it? Uh, I can't. Say it. Uh, oh, the Probocene era, and it's it's basically uh, apparently it's about um, elephants, super intelligent elephants that that take over the world um, after humanity dies out. That, so there's that. that. Sounds. I mean, I don't know. Based on the style, I don't know if I would get that just from listening to the album, but that sounds amazing. I uh, <laughs> the thing is, I there there's very little vocals that that I could tell anyway. Um, That's always, so an instrumental concept album is always interesting because yeah. I, I just feel like it, that almost sounds like an oxymoron. I guess it depends on the music itself, but it's just that like. It, it it actually kind of works out in a way because like the mm. baritone sax actually has like that like elephant trumpeting type oh, of sound to it okay. sometimes yeah I, yeah um, I can see that yeah and th- there are parts of it that actually have like sitar I'm pretty sure hmm. um it, it's it's a it's a beautiful it, it's it's a very good album um I could easily see this being in like top ten of the year so yeah that's yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm really stoked to listen to it now yeah man do it up. But uh, what do you got for me this week? So, again, totally on the opposite of the spectrum. And <laughs> actually, keeping with the theme of nostalgia, you know, bands I listened to when I was younger, um, you know, when you were young, if you could say, uh, somebody told me that uh, you would like this song, and especially if your name is Mr. Brightside, because this is the new Killers album, Imploding the Mirage. Um I actually had no idea this album was coming out until until release day. I just I, you know, I didn't know you were a Killers fan. <laughs> I oh, I mean I I lo- grew up hot fuss hot fuss you know Mr. Brightside somebody told me smile like you mean it um, you know Jenny See, was a friend I, of mine. I, I I just remember when we were young from Guitar Hero three and I hated it. <laughs> oh actually I mean I love that song. I'm a huge fan of Hot Fuss. I think that's a genuinely great album. I like Samstown too, but I don't think it's as you know it's not as many great songs. Um, Day and Age started to lose me a little bit, but Human is a nice song. Uh, and then the, the the next two albums, um, I guess Battleborn, and I don't even know. Um, oh, one I guess Wonderful, Wonderful. I'm clicking through, which is a, a not a great album name, but I just lost interest. <laughs> but this, what specifically? Um, what specifically drew me to this album is I thought the the album cover was really looked really cool, and I was like, oh, okay, new Killers album. I saw that they have uh, Way's Blood on it. Oh, who, I, who, I, she, I think it's Wise Blood. Wise Blood. Sorry, yeah. she released. Uh, she's like a new like indie folk, indie pop yeah. darling, and she's featured on it. But also, Katie Lang is on it, and she's like a, a really well known you know Canadian pop and country artist. Um, and I just I that those features alone i was like those do not seem like they belong in a killer's album and that they do because they actually incorporate a lot of elements of like heartland rock like almost Mm. like bruce springsteen so you get a lot of that like arena rock heartland rock that comes into their like synth pop new wave stylings and it actually works like it's pretty odd and like it's some of the some of the elements don't like i think there are a number of parts where it almost feels like they're like just the way they produced um like there's one song in particular i forget which one it has like 
a really like steely sounding like open string guitar strum and it's mm. very obviously a sample like it just it sounds really artificial and there are a few moments like that where they don't blend the two worlds all that well but it's it's really cool i don't know like i i, I haven't been this excited about ko's album for a really really long time and i just thought it was really um yeah i thought it was really cool and i guess just looking at the wikipedia page i guess that they um also have lindsey buckingham from fleetwood mac on this album i don't know what he does he might do like a guitar solo let me let me see if i can yeah i i i just uh yeah he does this he does, is... he does the guitar well, solo well, I, I, I just whenever somebody brings up Lindsey Buckingham, I just think of Bill Hader playing Lindsey Buckingham on on SNL, yeah. uh, d- d- during the uh, Celebrity Jeopardy segments. Oh, I, I need to look that up now. Yeah, it is. I I could watch those all day if I had to. <laughs> so, anyway, no, the, uh, the, the, that's interesting, man. It, it's yeah. I, I mean, actually, I kind of want to buy it for the car. I mean, Lauren's also. A, a big uh, Killers fan. We grew up. I mean, I think it was. Um, it's not Vice. What's the uh, what's the, it begins with a V? They're like the music blog. I is thought it, that was. Is it? That's, that's not. Oh, are, no, I, I'm thinking of Brooklyn Vegan, but no, it's <laughs> it's not Vice. Oh, what is it? I I don't know. Oh, fuck. Let me try to look it up really, really quickly. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll try to vamp in the meantime. No. So how about but, air? How about airline food? <laughs> no, but, but there was there's this one blog that do they basically they do like a bunch of clickbaity type, um, types you know type articles. But there was one they did where they had like a bracket challenge where they said you know what's the uh, uh, what's the stairway to heaven of this generation, um, and they decided that it was Mr. Brightside by the Killers and honestly like within like my specific like grade that was I remember they played it at prom and it just like everyone sang it top of their lungs so (laughs) I I just I have a lot of nostalgia for them and I'm really glad that I actually like one of their one of their new albums again because it's been a while so yeah Yeah, that's, that's really good dude so I, I I wish I was a Killers fan, but I am I am not. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm not I'm not surprised by that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it was just it was the fact of like having those features on a Killers album, like think, knowing what they sound like. Usually, I'm like that doesn't, and it actually works out really well. Like I I I'm, I don't know a lot about Katie Lang, but I have uh, she did a collection of covers of Canadian artists. You know, she did a cover of. Um, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah does some Neil Young covers and it's, it's, Leonard really, Cohen's Canadian. Yeah, I, I, oh, I learned I learned that I, as well when I bought the album. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. But yeah, you, you never really know. Well. It's it, it, it's like it's like if somebody's been body snatching. You never know if somebody's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, they're insidious. <laughs> no, I, I I love Canada actually. So yeah I've, I've only been a few um, times but i it's it's a really nice place I'd, I'd love to visit some of the like bigger hub cities um, yeah but. all right well we're, we're always over time so yeah um <laughs> anyway thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week all right bye bye
thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh itunes pod apple Podcasts, android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast basically uh we're on all of it uh if you follow us on anchor to you know whatever works for you and uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.